Hey, 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 what's going on, everyone? It's Dr. Jordan Seda coming to you live from NYC. Sounding a little bit nasally today, but it's all good. Anyway, are you ready to go to health and back? All right, let's get it. Welcome to Health and Back, a podcast run by a physical therapist focused on fitness, performance, and mindset tools for success. And now, Here's your host, Dr. Jordan Seda. All right, everyone. I have the profound pleasure of being joined by a longtime colleague of mine down in South Carolina, the dirty South. I don't know how dirty it is these days. Um, maybe not so dirty, but... Um, Mr. Human Houston Armstrong, Human Armstrong. He is one human, <laughs> human only, only human. You only only human on uh, on Instagram, so I'm so used to seeing that. So you, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much, not too much. I've been floating back and forth. You know, uh, Amanda and I finally made the solid move into a house in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey. So we we're right there on the the border. You know, close enough to Carowinds to say uh, it could go either way, and we could have some fun whenever we want, but. Uh, now officially calling the Queen City. You know, you've got NYC, we've got CLT. The only time I've been to Charlotte was, um, it's clearly, you, you can tell how long it's been since I've spoken to Houston because I didn't even know what state he lived in. But uh, definitely got to hit up a Bojangles again at some point. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> If that's uh, if that's your idea of the South, man, we've got a few other restaurants you definitely need to come down for. Uh, North Carolina famous for barbecue, so uh, if you're if you're down for some barbecue, we've got uh, at least three places that I know we we're gonna hit up. So uh, we'll have you tired of barbecue and and different types of sauces by the time you go home. Yeah, I'd be uh, shitting brisket blocks after I leave. Here. <laughs> it's gonna <laughs> sit in your stomach. It'll sit in your stomach for a week, and then it'll come uh... out. Uh, good start. Good start. I'm sure yes. some listeners stick with us. We have some good content coming. It's not going to be all about um, bodily fluids and waste. But anyway, uh, I've, known, <laughs> I've known Houston for a few years now, dating back to, I want to say, 2017, when he was mm -hmm. here in New York City uh, for many reasons, which uh, Houston, I think this would be a good time to introduce yourself and talk about uh, you know, your your education, where you're at today, and why I even considered bringing you on my show. Why did you consider bringing me on your show? I feel like our tangents here are going to take over the content. No. <laughs> All right. So, so um, yeah. So, I started off in uh, exercise science, actually. I did my bachelor's and my master's in exercise science down at the Citadel. Um, for those who aren't familiar, to the military college in Charleston, South Carolina. And that's probably where you got South Carolina. A lot of like my upbringing was in South Carolina. We just recently made that move to North Carolina. And um, and so I played baseball there. I did my practical, my internship with the strength and conditioning staff. I did another one with the CrossFit gym uh, because, hey, it was popular at the time, like 2010 to 2014. Everything was just straight up CrossFit. So um so as I moved out of that 2015, uh, I did, I finished my master's. So I, I did my bachelor's in three years, master's two years right after that. And then thought, Hey, why not more school? Um, and an acupuncturist approached me and said, Hey, are you, are you still considering acupuncture, um, at all as like a, a field? And I thought, you know, this would be a great way to supplement the recovery side of what I do from strength and conditioning. And so I said, sure. And he said, there are two schools I want you to look at. One in Boone, North Carolina. And I was like, love Boone. Awesome. Go there every year for Christmas tree. And he goes, the other one's in New York. And I was like, wait, what? I like it. Let's go. I've been in South Carolina all my life. Let's get, let's get away from the South. So uh, I, I went up to New York 2015, started with Tri-State College of Acupuncture, which unfortunately uh, is no longer there. Um, and I think our class might've been the last graduating class. We, uh, we went through, uh, let's see first, first year I did a lot more like training. Cause I had a lot of the, the foundations of what the, the school teaches in the first year. So I did a lot more training in Capoeira, which you, you know, you like, you have some fun with now as well. That's it. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, and then. Uh, as the years progressed, I started getting more into the clinicals. And then eventually in 2017, uh, I was able to join 
uh, you, uh, I guess it had just switched over to orthology, right? Uh, from New York sports med to orthology. So uh, came in, had the pleasure of working with you and some awesome physical therapists, different locations, as well as doing my clinicals and acupuncture. Um, and, uh, and then when I was finishing up, I was like, all right, this is going to be great. Uh, my fiance will move up here. We're going to, you know, have some fun in New York city. And, uh, then she said, you know what, the living, living cost is a little bit cheaper down here in South Carolina. And I was like, hey, you're right. But you know, the network here is great. You work in finance. I think it'd be a nice hub. And so she won and I went back down to South Carolina. So I was in. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so while I was in South Carolina or when I moved back, we were in Greenville, South Carolina, she goes, you know what? I think I want to live in a big city. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Like I just came back. And, uh, and she goes, well, how about Charlotte? Like it was a big city, but you could still drive, um, uh, without the chaos of like New York city. And so that was our kind of like, that was our in-between that was our, our blend. Um, but while I was in Greenville, uh, because, um, it's a service-based industry, right? Health, fitness, and wellness, um, has to deal with your clientele. And so it was, it was hard for me to, you know, build up a practice, build up a clientele in six months, eight months down in South Carolina. So now I've made that more of what I do here in North Carolina. I've uh, got my licensure for the state and, uh, and started practicing here. And so I have a blend of all, uh, all kinds of different things going on. I, I still love learning. Like uh, if, I could, if I could be paid to be a student, that's probably one of the things I would do and just keep learning different things. Uh, but I, I got precision nutrition so I could take on um, some of the nutritional aspects and feel a little bit more comfortable with not just the science, um, but the behavior change around what it takes to make those dietary changes, because it's not, uh, it's not as easy as just telling somebody, Hey, here's what you eat. Um, there's a lot that goes into habit formation around that. So uh, I found that really valuable, especially as an acupuncturist and blending that with some of the nutritional theory that we have as part of, uh, Chinese medicine. So um, I also took on a position with a company called Stretch Lab, which is one-on-one -on -one assisted stretching. And I, I think they've actually got a couple, you know, locations up there in New York now, but they, uh, their franchise system and here in uh, Charlotte, the owners bought like six locations, right? They're not all up, um, but they bought the licenses to six locations. And so we're currently at three, getting ready to go to four. And I am the lead flexologist for one studio, partial part-time lead flexologist for another one as we transition another person into leadership there. And the master flexologist for uh, part of the most, of the, well, I say most of the Southeast, but kind of the Southeast area uh, minus Florida. Florida is like its own country when it comes to like opening stretch lines, jeez. So, uh, so I, I train people to do what we do in studio. Um, and between that and, and working my own book of business and clientele, that takes up a lot, uh, a lot of time. But the things that I really enjoy outside of that, I still like to, to keep my hands in. So I still coach weightlifting. Um, I had my I got my USAW level one right before moving to Charlotte. Uh, so I, I coach weightlifting. Uh, I'll treat weightlifters and general population. Most of what I do from an acupuncture standpoint is orthopedic uh, and sports medicine. And then outside of that, um, the like anxiety has been more, uh, of the, of what I've started to see, um, just because of being in the pandemic, you know, people, people were isolated. And so just having kind of the, the human interaction, uh, was something that I didn't anticipate, but it, it became a thing. So, uh, did some community style acupuncture for that just to kind of help, you know, it's a little bit more affordable. And, uh, and it gets people together, right. Uh, within pandemics rules. Uh, and I, th I think that pretty much covers again, the, the multiple hands and pots here. Yeah. Somebody likened it to, uh, like a helicopter. You like to see big, big picture. Uh, but you, you kind of, you distance yourself away and then every now and then you'll focus in on different spots. And I said, well, it sounds more like I like to hop from helicopter to helicopter. I like to see the big picture over here, but I also like to see this big picture and that big picture. And so I'll hop from helicopter to helicopter, uh, depending on where the need seems to be. Right. Um, and the fields continue to grow. I think we're going to get into that a little bit more with, uh, with our next, our next question topic of discussion, but 
uh, yeah, I think I've been as long-winded as, as I could be for this introduction. <laughs> Let me tell you, if you ever planned on writing an autobiography, I think we have plenty of content already to go about that. And uh, wow, your, your resume is already really impressive, even though you haven't been practicing that long. But, you know, I know you and I know your knowledge set, so I definitely respect uh, what you do for people. Now, you mentioned that like one of the things that you've been addressing aside from, you know, orthopedics and sports medicine is anxiety with acupuncture. And I think many people, if they didn't know anything about acupuncture, probably didn't know that it can be used to treat anxiety. So if you can kind of like give us a synopsis of how that might work for somebody with anxiety and, and just generally what acupuncture can do for people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, this may seem a little backwards, but I'll start with the kind of like the protocol first, the anxiety first, and then we'll go into a little bit more like general what acupuncture uh, is, does, um, or an acupuncturist um, should be doing for you. Um, So for anxiety, it's, uh, it's one of those things where people are already coming in and their expectation is somebody's going to be poking me with a lot of needles right? Or just getting poked with a needle in general. Um, and so you, you don't think of that as like the anxiety treatment, but more anxiety causing it. So the first thing to do is uh, just to sit and talk, you know, as a clinician, the first thing is that you just got to get to know the person that's there. Um, and, and that way you can meet them where they're at. And setting expectations is another really big thing when it comes to acupuncture and what type of tools that we use um, and alternatives that we can, we can utilize and how that's going to impact. Uh, we all know about pressure points and now we see the more common points that come out the like one in your hand here between the thumb and forefinger. Everybody's like, yeah, just massage that one there. And it becomes like this all purpose point. Um, that's part of a protocol that's called the four gates. Uh, if we want to get into that later, we can, but just be aware, like the, there are common points or more common points that people can use. And, uh, while like acupressure and pressing on points is effective, uh, it takes longer for it to make a change. So if I'm going to press on a point, then I'm looking for change to occur you know, somewhere between two and five minutes. So we're, we're going to be there for a little longer. Um, whereas if I insert a pec- an acupuncture needle, I'm expecting there to be a quicker change, whether that be a measure in heart rate um, or quality of heart, uh, heartbeat, uh, pulse, I should say, that's probably a better word, uh, the quality of pulse and, um, and states from there, the change should be quicker. And if, uh, and and it's just like any other clinical skill, right? Diagnostics, if it's an appropriate diagnosis, there's a more appropriate effect or or a stronger effect. And, and that's what we're taught to go through. There are certain protocols that you can do for anxiety. Um, One that's, uh, that's known and really popular is called the NADA protocol. And NADA protocol is used for uh, a lot when it comes to anxiety, depression, um, uh, addiction and addiction relief. Right. Uh, and so those points are focused within the ear and the connection, uh, with the ear and the parasympathetic or the vagus nerve for the parasympathetic state is one of those things that, uh, has been researched more and more, particularly in Germany and France. Uh, there are a couple of really that, uh, popular MDs who focused more of their attention on, uh, the auricular protocols, and uh, ESTEM. So with with that, they developed more uh, with treating the parasympathetic nervous system and impacting the body as a whole, rather than going for uh, points on the body, right? Uh, and then they they created the homunculus of the ear. So you know if it's something that has to deal with an, a certain part of the spine they just select a certain part of the ear that's something that's going on with the neck, right? It's going to be actually lower on the ear because they imagine the body kind of flipped upside down. So the head's where kind of the earlobe is, and then you'll have kind of this like fetal position baby. So you have that wrap within the, within the ear. So uh, they started exploring those, those nuances within points in the ear uh, and paired that with a lot of classical Chinese medical texts uh, and traditional Chinese medicine to make those impacts. So that's, uh, again, a long-winded response to how you can approach anxiety. Um, you start with that foundation. I, I found that it's a lot more popular because the, 
the acupuncture, you could call them filiform, you call them filaments, you can call them needles, whatever it is. But um, I tend to use the word filament just because when I demonstrate, like I'll show how flimsy an acupuncture needle itself is, just like it goes back and forth. And then you can show pictures of comparisons of uh, the filiform or the filament in comparison to a human hair. And some of them are very close, right? A lot, lot different um, than what we might use for a lot of intramuscular needling, dry needling, things along those lines, right? And the, the impact that you're, or the, the desired outcome is a little different. So, uh, so that's where things go from just an anxiety standpoint. Now, moving into acupuncture or an acupuncturist as a whole, right? Uh, acupuncturists are meant to be multimodality practitioners. And that is not, that means that we do more than just look at your tongue or, or check your pulse and then put needles in the body and say, all right, you know, you're done, you're good. Um, set you and leave you for 30, 45 minutes. Now there are some people who are gonna benefit more from that than, uh, than others, but uh, you'll, you'll find that different practitioners have different styles and, and how they're trained. And our school in particular had three styles. Um, so we did a, uh, a Japanese style, which is very gentle and very palpation based, uh, that's reflex based. So you press a point in the abdomen and then you choose a point location in response to that reflex, whether it's positive or negative, if it if it's positive. And, uh, and you see if there's any change. If there's no change, you redirect. You find another spot, press that spot. Is there any change? No change, all right? And so you, you have this trickle down effect of like, this could impact it, this could impact it, this could impact it. And when you find that spot that changes the reflex, that's where you needle. Uh, traditional Chinese medicine is what all schools have to go through because that's what our boards are based on. Uh, you're having to test, uh, depending on the state, two to three boards. I took all three. Um, so you have uh, traditional Chinese medical theory, uh, point selection, so symptoms and, and point selection, and then uh, biomedicine, right? So we have to be aware of pharmaceuticals and Western or allopathic uh, diagnoses as it relates to what we do uh, because of how it can impact the nervous system and and therefore the trickle down effect, musculoskeletal, endocrine, lymphatic, all of that, all of that comes into play. And uh, once you take those boards, then you have your national, you know, board license or board certification, and then you do a state licensure. Um, some states I think require a separate exam, um, but definitely, definitely not as comprehensive as far as I'm aware as what we have to do in terms of just our boards. Uh, and then, uh, and then you treat, or you can gain experience in different fields, right? People are starting to specialize in fertility or like I do orthopedics and sports medicine, pain management, pain management's a big one, um, just to like do an all encompassing. Um, there's GI uh, and people will be more involved in uh, like combination clinics, cancer institutes, things along those lines, uh, but they treat with different, different aspects. So you should be able to not only needle, cup, guasa, scrape, whatever it is that you, you know, those, those bare minimum that uh, techniques that are coming out and super mainstream now, uh, but you also should be able to provide nutritional guidance. You should be able to provide therapeutic exercise, uh, mindfulness practices and self-reflection or uh, uh, mental stress relief techniques, right? It, it's meant to address the whole body uh, or the whole person, I should say, the whole person. And that's where that quote unquote holistic point of view comes into play, right? We could look at that in uh, the sense of like a biopsychosocial model or, uh, you know, combining trans theoretical model with whatever physical uh, or I, I say musculoskeletal filter you want to put on it. So the, the acupuncturist should be that looking at the whole person um, because what it traditionally was, was like your acupuncturist was like your doctor for the, the community, for the town. Uh, so they saw what you did for a living. They saw what you ate. They saw how your family life was. They were, they were within the small community and they saw all aspects of your life so that they could treat all aspects. Hey, looks like you have a bit of a poisonous relationship with a sibling, right? Now you're sitting here and you're trying to treat the person because they can't recover because they constantly have something negatively impacted. So no matter how many needles you put in, no matter how much you change the diet, if they aren't able to heal themselves from this one aspect, they can't get rid of what it is that's actually keeping them from fully recovering. And, uh, 
and now that things, you know, we, we try to take care of so many people in so many different places, it makes it that much harder to get a, get a feel for what all those aspects are. And, and that's where we start. And even you're, you know, you're starting to see it more and more that in your intakes, right. It has to be more encompassing as to what's going on, how ready are they to change and, uh, and, and how much other, the other things are impacting what they're experiencing uh, and probably they come to you because of pain, right? And what does pain mean? How do we, uh, I'll say, how do we learn pain? Uh, and I, I'll tell a lot of a lot of the clients that I see in, in Stretch Lab, right? Pain is learned fairly similarly, fairly similarly to movement in that we do something, we recognize it as painful, we avoid it. And then we do something again, we recognize it as painful and we avoid it. And over time, our body associates that with avoidance or fear. And, uh, and so then you have other stimuli, uh, that could bring up that same thing, right? Uh, let's say every time I see a yellow car, I, I do something that makes my low back hurt. And just like Pavlov's dog. Eventually I no longer need that stimulus that makes my back hurt. When I see this yellow car, I associate it that same thing. And that's a little bit of an extreme example, but, um, but it's one of those things that could happen, right? Uh, as crazy as it seems. So we, we look to, uh, to address all those different aspects as an acupuncturist. Um, and if we miss that, we do, the, we do a disservice. So the fields uh, I, I think are gonna continue to blend because you know, uh, physical therapy sees the benefits of needling, right? So now there's certifications that you can go through um, and, and I see the education that, which is what I, I wanted to see personally. I was like, I don't care who does it as long as they help their, uh, their patients. Right. Uh, because I'm not going to be able to see the same people you're going to see. So why should I rely on my education alone to impact this person? If I know that needling is going to help them, uh, I, I just want people to be trained and I want them to be proficient, whatever it is. I'm not going to have, you know, somebody come to me for manipulations because I haven't been trained in manipulations. Would I like to? Absolutely. But, <laughs> but I'm not gonna, but I'm not gonna do it just to say I can do it. Um, we have, we have something actually in Chinese medicine, toy na, which means push pull. Um, and it's a, a form of body work, uh, to start, but it also includes manipulations. The only problem is, is it hasn't, it's not one of those yet that's been mainstream. Um, so the training for it is relatively lacking, but it, it does include, manipulations to a degree. And I'm like, yeah, but if I want practitioners doing manipulations, I want to make sure they, they had the training and they had the practice, they had the clinical practice with it, uh, before they do it on me. Uh, unless I need to be the guinea pig for somebody to be able to do it for all their other patients, in which case I'll, I'll happily be the guinea pig to try this out. Just, uh, don't put my head on backwards. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I want to say that covers as much as, as much as possible within what an acupuncturist should be and what acupuncture should do. Acupuncture is two characters of needling and moxibustion. Um, moxibustion is another technique of lighting mugwort over points uh, because the current research that we have on it or that we've translated for it is that the frequency at which it burns is similar to our cells regeneration. And that's why it's effective. Uh, and that's why it can be utilized instead of a needling technique. But there's, you know, different applications and what you'll see, but that acupuncture is supposed to be more than just needling. And if you walk through the door and all the person does is say, hey, how you doing here? Get in a chair, I'm gonna put these in, you'll rest for 20, 30 minutes, and then you're out the door. That's that's not the acupuncturist you wanna have. Yeah, it's funny, um, when you just said moxibustion, I'm reading a book that was recommended by my acupuncturist called A Tooth from the Tiger's Mouth. Tom Bizio. Tom Bizio, yeah. So I, I, I remember that word. And I, I think there's a lot of application to martial arts, which is what appealed to me, but also just the benefit of acupuncture in my life after sustaining uh, an injury to my shin after being, I received a nice martello to my shin Ooh. in May. So I had a nice blood stasis injury that was manifest yep. in my foot. And it was one of those situations where traditional physical therapy wasn't helping. And, you know, if you're out there thinking, oh, well, you just, you know, you should see a, a physical therapist that knows what they're talking about instead of yourself, uh, <laughs> which, which I did, which I did. But to be honest, it was great because the acupuncturist, again, she did insert needles, but she also 
prescribed this herbal foot soak from the, the local Chinese pharmacy in my neighborhood here mm-hmm. in New York. And this place was actually like insane. Like there was like, it was an actual, like I had to call in a prescription to get yep. this herbal like, uh-huh. combination. And I had a, a pot of herbs, water, and vodka on my stove for like a week. <laughs> Which is great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Limits, but it's like, man. yeah, but like to understand how those herbs work, to understand how internal organs also manifest in tissue injuries is something that I wasn't familiar with. And I'm glad that there are people who are experts at that. And it's not to yeah. say that it works all the time. Like I've obviously done acupuncture before and I haven't had a similar effect, but for this particular condition of blood just pooling in my yeah. foot, it was massive for me to like wake up and not feel like I had like stabbing pain in my foot. And, um, you know, I'm really grateful for acupuncturists because of the way they're able to look at all the things that I, I don't look at. And I feel like now I'm better able to have conversations with people who might respond better to traditional Chinese medicine than Western medicine. And it's not uh, necessarily this dichotomous situation where you have to do one versus the other, but yes. Certainly, if someone's going to respond better, you want to, you know, do what's in their best interest. And it's just crazy, like even the things about changing temperatures of environment, like we talk about that. I mean, I've spoken about that, about like sleep quality and making sure that the temperature in your room is is on the cooler side. But generally, you want to keep I think traditional Chinese medicine likes keeping limbs warm, uh, Mm -hmm. but also being mindful of internal versus external temperatures and the contrast so i I, now that i think of injury in that context as well it really helps me when someone's like should i ice it and i'm i've never (laughs) i never i never say ice it anymore i i never prescribe ice i never prescribe cold i always prescribe either nothing or heat or heat yeah so and it's also you know it's dependent on the stage of injury i haven't forgotten about tissue healing and inflammatory processes, but Mm -hmm. it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, why are people still icing injuries? A year later, a year later, that's just absolutely baffling when somebody's like, yeah, I've been icing it. You know, whenever it starts to hurt again, I'll ice it. I was like, does the ice help? They're like, "Eh, it doesn't feel as bad. I'm like, but does it help? And they're like, no, not really. I mean, I still feel it the next day. I'm like, then stop doing it, right? Definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, but expecting different <laughs> results. Uh, uh, I actually heard that yesterday. That's kind of weird that you said <laughs> that, but it's kind of crazy with ice because, like, I feel like most people feel better because they're just simply relaxing and not provoking their injury. Like, they have sure. something that's desensitizing the area because it's changed the local temperature, which is altering yeah. the pain signals most likely. But right especially if it's with a combination of compression and elevation like i I would argue that those methods are more effective than the ice itself so sure if anyone's mind blown out there this is what we're here for uh you can reach out to us uh i'll I'll tell you how later on but let's keep it moving okay um so man i could have gone right on that tangent right there we could go no no no, go go for it Go, go 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 okay uh, so just like the liniment that you received, right. They, we do have what's called like herbal ice. And, um, and one of my favorite, like kind of trauma in, in Tom Bezio's book, you'll, you'll have this. And I encourage you at some point to maybe talk about it a little bit more, cause it's really cool and how those herbs interact, but you do, you have cold, uh, cold factors and hot factors. Um, and then with your body, you have internal, uh, and, and then you have your environment, which is the external. So you have internal pathogenic factors, external pathogenic factors. And if you look at Chinese medicine, right, there is, uh, the yin and yang, um, which is actually a three component. Most people just see it as this, uh, this dichotomy, right. Of one versus the other, but it's not the symbol itself. Uh, and the little dots that you see of the opposite color within are considered seeds. So you're looking at this balance between the two that in the most yang or the white uh, color, you have a seed of the dark or the seed of yin. And then within the most yin, you have a seed of yang and the two generate one another. It's not one battling against the other. It's this 
uh, continuous rotation, this continuous cycle of balance. And then you have the five element theory. And so these are the, the most foundations. The five element theory came a little bit later. Everything started with yin and yang and everything in between. So those are the three. And then you have your five elements and that is uh, water. And that's kind of where we start. That's like our, our general essence, our constitution, wood, fire, earth, and metal. And each of those elements has to do with different organ systems within our body. And so that's where, when you started talking about the, the viscerification uh, in the organ systems, it's not always referring to the physical organ or the physiological organ function itself, but there are functions of those organ systems. And so based on that is where you start to see some of these herbal selections as what needs to be balanced out within that yin and yang and five element system uh, and theories. And then what, uh, what are the properties of the, of the plant uh, itself? Where does it grow? Does it thrive in a colder environment? If it does, it's going to have a little bit more of a warming effect, right? That's, that's the property. It's able to survive because it's able to internally warm itself and, and lift. So that's how you see some of these just like plants. How do you prepare it? If you leave it boiling for hours, well, now we've changed the property from what might have been a cold to now a warm or a hot heat uh, variable. So your, your preparation and your treatment of these herbs also impacts uh, how it's going to impact your body. When we look at something like blood stasis, you're, you're looking at temperature, but you're also looking at invigoration. Uh, so the moving of blood, right? So you, you use a great word, which is stasis. Uh, it's one that we always use. It's either chi, uh, you'll see like chi stagnation or blood stagnation, blood stasis. Blood stasis seems to, is like the, the most stagnant of all. And you're like, all right, how do I, what do I need to do? Uh, it's not that I need more blood. Uh, I want to invigorate the movement of blood. And that could be because I don't have enough chi. If I don't have enough chi, I can't move blood. If I don't have enough energy, right, I can't push the boulder. I can't move anything. But if I have enough energy and I'm pushing and it's still stuck, then maybe I need to break something down. So those different properties are going to continue to go in. <clears throat> when it comes to something as, simply, as simple as like saying somebody to ice or not ice, just like you said, an acupuncturist should be aware of just the basic tissue healing components, right? What's, what's happening within the first 72, 48, 72 hours. What's then happening over the next 10 days, next two weeks, two months, three months. Um, and depending on severity, you're looking at six to nine months, uh, easily and, and be upfront with those expectations. Like this is how your body works, right? It's just, just how the body works itself out. And, uh, when I recommend ice, it's usually, like you said, early on in a treatment uh, or in an injury process, is it hot? Is it swollen? Right. Uh, is it, sorry, is it hot? Is it red? Is it swollen? So if it's hot and red, right, physically you can touch it, then applying light ice is something that's definitely worth it in the beginning. Right. But even then it's short stints, no more than 12 minutes, eight to 12 minutes is really where we, where we kind of sit with this one. Uh, unless there's, Again, more research, more translation that I'm unaware of over the last probably two years. Um, and as much as research is coming out right now, it definitely could be. But right now, like eight to 12 minutes max is where you're sitting at. And then in between that, you start to invigorate. You start to move things. So you apply gentle massage and you're trying to flush out. So let's say it's something in the ankle, right? You're going to try to move it up the leg, get it into that kind of like venous return, right? So that can be expelled. The waste can be expelled. And I figure we wouldn't come back to bodily waste, but here we are. Um, so, but you're looking at this combination. If I can't do, if I can't do it internally, how can I affect it externally? And, um, and Amanda actually, my fiance, um, had an injury when we were in New York. Uh, we went out, we went to sled and somebody had built this ramp in Prospect Park and we took turns kind of going off of it. She came off of it one time and her foot caught and it rotated, sprained the ankle. So we got back to the apartment and, uh, and we applied what's called San Juan San. Uh, and I don't know the tones to that. So I, I apologize if, you know, somebody's listening and they're like, golly, he has no Chinese. And you're right. I don't, uh, I, <laughs> I'm sitting here like, I, I know more Japanese. That's, that's where I, uh, but San Juan San was applied and we left it on overnight. And what you do is you, it's like a, it's a, like a plaster, more of a plaster than a liniment. The liniment would be more like liquid. 
So we applied the the plaster, wrapped it up, put it in a sock, woke up the next day. And um, there were some other treatment aspects involved, but from a legality standpoint, probably something I shouldn't have been doing. Um, the, just still being a student, but she, she said, okay. And, uh, and she was, she was able to walk on it. She was there for New York fashion week. And so she had to go to different like auditions to walk for different in, uh, designers. Uh, and she was able to make it happen that day. So just overnight being able to utilize something like that, the herbal ice, as well as some of the other techniques, like just to get blood moving, um, and get her back to a point where, you know, we, we say motion is lotion, right. Um, I liken this to like where they were going with basketball sprain, uh, basketball ankle sprains, like don't, don't immobilize it. And that be the end all, right. As soon as they can start to move it again, start going through those ranges of motion. So we did that and she made it through all, all of what she needed to do the next day. Now, was it still sore and achy at the end of the day? Absolutely. Right. There's still the, the recovery itself of the tissue that needs to happen, but it was, it was like my first experience as a student where somebody had this traumatic injury and like a, a liniment and a plaster made such a drastic difference. And I was like, holy smokes. And this came straight from Tom Vizio's book, A Tooth from a Tiger's Mouth. Uh, and he does a great job of applying that knowledge, um, especially from, like you said, a martial arts standpoint. Uh, but yes, herbal, herbal ice is what we have, and it's not necessarily ice. Uh, it's something that may have a little bit more of that cold and warm uh, aspect to the herbs that helps with the movement of blood. And that's my, uh, and that's my tangent. I dig it, man. I dig it. All right, let's keep, let's keep it rolling for, for real this time. No more tangents. We got to stay on track here. Now, okay. in the field of physical therapy, we, I've seen over the past, and I guess you can argue I'm one of the people, but now people want to start businesses pretty early after school. Some people are even creating online brands while they're in school. So when they come out, they have like tens of thousands of followers on Instagram and they're out there promoting their product. Now, I certainly don't think there's a problem with starting early, but sometimes I see people try to build these massive personas without having much of a foundation, either with clinical skill or just an understanding of business because they don't teach you business operations in, in physical therapy school. I mean, they probably do it so a little bit more in acupuncture from my understanding, but if, even if it's not that much, it's definitely more than what we get in PT school. So uh, what would be your thoughts on this, you know, this emergence of younger clinicians and trainers for that matter and how they should go about starting up a business? Ooh, not a loaded question. Definitely a good question. Um, when looking at where you're at in terms of your education and knowing scope of practice. I think that those are the first two things that I go to uh, because it's one thing to share what you're learning. It's another to say that if everybody who has an ankle sprain needs to have this, this liniment or this plaster, two entirely different things, right? I've found that this can be applied to ankle sprains. Um, and some people are going to take that to me and like, oh, every time I have an ankle sprain, this is what I'm going to use. Uh, again, not, not necessarily the case, but making sure that when we educate, we put it within parameters and you'll see a lot of, uh, and I'm not going to say, I'm going to say better clinicians. Cause I think it's better if somebody initiates something with, this is not medical advice. This is what we have to uh, this is what we have learned, and, and this is not a be-all, end-all for all cases whatsoever. But here's an example uh, of how that works, and you'll you'll see that people who are are more understanding uh, are going to ride within that middle portion of the spectrum. They're not going to ride at an extreme. They're not going to say everything's this or everything's that. They're going to say every individual is different, and that's going to be that's going to be different. And so, if somebody who can distinguish that within their platform, uh, that's going to be the, that's going to be one of the foundations in terms of starting a business. Again, it, I would say it comes down to context, you know, whether you're young or whether you're old, you can make the same mistakes, just not having been in the experience. I didn't have a lot of business experience coming out of school. Um, and so 
my, I am very much the kiss method, keep it simple, stupid, because, um, as you can tell with, I, I could easily go on a tangent and talk a bunch, um, but miss the main point that I want to, that I want to put in, uh, and the main message that I want to put into that. And so looking at business operations, that was one of those things where you're like, all right, what are the key components I have to have? from a business standpoint? And what are the key aspects that I have to remember from a legal standpoint? Uh, and you may notice I, I don't put a ton of content out myself. Uh, I am very much more the, all right, let me find the resources that I find the most valuable and the most useful. And I'm going to put out their content. Uh, and, and that may be from a behavioral standpoint. It may be from a physical uh, intervention standpoint, whatever, whatever it may be in terms of education. Uh, I'm going to find trusted resources and that's, that's where I defer. So if you're going to, if you if you want to build credibility because you're young and you just, you're like, I need to get out in the field. I need to do, I need to have experience. Absolutely right? Go out, get experience, but understand again, where you are within the scope of practice uh, and what, what you can and can't do that. And that's scope of practice. That's the, the hardest thing I think is that some people are like, oh, well, if, if I know about this, then I can, I can do that. Uh, and that's just, that's not the case. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if that answers your question um, or if you have more specifics within that question that I can't answer, but no, not necessarily. I just wanted to get your perspective because you are, I guess you could still, you're not a rel, you're a relatively new clinician. You're not so yeah. new anymore, uh, <laughs> newer than I am. Cause I, you know, I'm going gray already and been around the block oh, a couple of times. Oh, That's why I'm wearing the hat. Uh, yeah. But I'll take, I'll take the wisdom. I'll take the wisdom. And I certainly feel wiser. It, and it was funny. I was talking to someone yesterday about uh, becoming that wisdom is like beginning to question more of what you're doing. So as I get more yeah. experience, I feel like I have less answers, but because it's more akin to what you were talking about in the ankle sprain situation where it's like, it could be treated this way versus this way. There's not exactly like, I'm going to do this for every ankle sprain, which I think is a sign of wisdom, although it can be quite frustrating because taking an sure. individual as a whole, like, depending on their relationship with their family, anxiety, their, their nutrition, their sleep, etc. I'm not necessarily going to treat one individual with an ankle sprain. I'm not even just necessarily, I won't treat them the same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Absolutely. So, yeah. Anyway, I like that. I like that too. Um, you know, you look at, you develop your system. You don't develop, you know, purely just a treatment protocol. And this is the only thing that you follow. You develop a system of steps, right? From evaluation or, or sorry, intake to evaluation, um, to your own diagnosis, and then a treatment plan. And within that treatment plan, there's also adaptability, right? Within your system, you set something and, and we'll talk a little bit about, and we can talk about this a little bit later, but you have something that's stable, but within that stability, there's also flexibility. And if we look at this physically, we'd call that mobility, um, the ability to control as well as adapt. But the, the stability of a system, right, to follow core principles uh, that we know and then be able to adapt to specific uh, changes um, or lack of change, right? If, if you put an intervention and nothing changes, then we have the flexibility to adapt within that system. You're like, all right, this intervention didn't work, but guess what? We're still within the same system. We're going to apply the same principles just to a slightly different variable so that we do see change. Right. Right. Uh, I think that's where you're, uh, where you're hitting home with the wisdom, right? Uh, the more, the more I learn, uh, the less I know, right. Yeah. The more I learn, the less I know. Cool, man. Yeah. I, I've realized that if we, if we talk for too long, people will probably turn the, the podcast off. So let's uh, hit okay. our last points and then uh, we'll get to it. It's one of those like Solid. too long, didn't read situations just uh, on sure. air. Um, so one of the things that appeals as well, like, and I didn't even know you did Capoeira when I first met you. I think I kind of did. Um, and I didn't know you were still doing it, but I love that you also blend resistance training and Capoeira and I think you can appreciate that one lends to another in being just a overall peak performer. 
and I don't know, and I know you've competed in weightlifting and obviously you're training capoeira. So in terms of being a consummate peak performer, what would you say would be the, the keys to peak performance? One key consistency. Um, I, that's, that's going to be where I center everything else around. Um, it's a, it's a commitment to the process and not to the end goal because I can set a goal, but once I achieve that goal, then I, then I would, if I'm focused just around that goal, then I have to start all over again. But if I'm dedicated or I am committed to a process of consistency, then no matter what that goal is, um, once, once I'm done, I can set a new one and I still have my process in place. Right. Or if I want to wait to set a new quote unquote goal, then I can still follow the system that helped me to achieve the results that I got and potentially move further ahead um, but while within that process. So the, the follow-up to consistency is consistency with a process, right? Don't consistently change because if you consistently change, then the consistency is not necessarily there, right? I'm consistently doing something new and so there's never a mastery. Bruce Lee, right, said, I don't fear the man who knows 10,000 kicks, but who's performed one kick 10,000 times. It was a commitment to the process and mastery from that standpoint. So I think peak performance for me looks like consistent commitment to a process. Consistent commitment to a process. If you don't remember anything else from this podcast, <laughs> please, please remember that. Sure. Uh, here's, a fun, here's a fun one I didn't anticipate asking. What is your most lethal capoeira kick? Uh, Martello Gisolo. Martello Gisolo? Martello That's Gisolo. interesting because um, our my uh, my group does not use that term. <laughs> it's also amazing. Like people don't realize people think Capoeira is the same universally. No. But you know, different groups not. have different yeah. terminology. I just think um, the essence of Ooh. it is the same in the yeah, go for it. You have something. I gotta to change. Say. I gotta change. It's not Martello Gisolo, it's Mayo Luigi Compasso. Uh, okay. uh yeah. Mayologi Compasso, and uh, yeah, I, I, something about that move just like resonated with me because there's a, with Think Up Widow, right? You have things that you can hide, uh, intent, um, and that one just always felt easier. The stability, again, of like three limbs on the floor and then having something else that I could do or even two limbs, right? But stability and then flexibility to kind of manipulate it. Um, I recently played a game last weekend. We talked about this beat and bell working workshop, but we also played a little bit. So um, I played a couple of pieces uh, that I hadn't ever seen before, hadn't met before. And I always love that because it's like, it's meeting them, right? It's getting to know them. And the guy just kept trying, he was like, dude, what do you, what do, you do with your May Lewis? How do you work with your May Lewis? And, uh, and so that's when it like, it hit me. It was like, ah, yeah, that's right. I used to train Mia Lewis a lot. Mia Lewis Compasso was just like, it was one of those things that I'm like, I'm upside down and then I'm up, I'm upside down and I'm up. And, uh, and that's where, that's where I came in. But yes, uh, going back, sorry, to the language component, like you, you use certain words that I'm like, what is he talking? And then you do the, you, you go through the movie. And I was like, oh yeah. 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 It's a capoeira is so beautiful in that sense where mm -hmm. though there are many differences, the essence is all in um, Brazilian culture, Afro-Brazilian culture. And yes, just the fact that we were talking about making bedding bows, which was our traditional instrument from scratch. It's like it doesn't get more authentic than that. No. And I think awesome. I think at some point, you know, I, I mean, I have a bedding bow in my apartment. Maybe we could practice sometime and get some uh, some tocando in. Hey. Yeah. But, uh, the combo are, being bow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, any parting thoughts or statements for our listeners? You know, we talked about peak performance. Um, and, and we got to discuss a little bit of this beforehand too, but I think in part with that is balance, right? Um, we made, I made a note that balance in life is really important to peak performance. Um, we can't constantly train the same way. We can't just keep, you know, go up, go up, go up, go up, go up. We eventually have to have uh, essentially like an off season, right? Where we put our attention maybe a little bit somewhere else. Um, so giving your time or giving yourself time to reflect on, on the progress that you've made. Um, and in training, we could, we could call that a deload week, right? Uh, but mm -hmm. balance in life, I think is really important. 
Um, and finding inspiration, not motivation. Motivation dies out, but inspiration is internal. So we think of external versus internal cues, right? Uh, external motivation or yeah, external motivation is one of those things that's, uh, it's great. And it's one of the, it's a catalyst. It's uh, new year's resolutions are great motivator, right? But they're not an in, inspirator. They're not inspiring. Let's put that, <laughs> they're not inspiring. Inspi inspiration is internal uh, and, and it's a resonance with a why, uh, a, a purpose and something that's like long, that is long-term. It provides you that key or that direction for that process um, to provide that consistency uh, to that commitment to a process. So it, to, for parting words here, right? Maintain balance, whatever, whatever that means in terms of your training, in terms of nutrition, in terms of self-care, um, all, all of those aspects need to be in balance, work-life balance, right? And then find what inspires you, right? Find, find that why. Uh, and because we, we see these places that are considered blue zones, right? Consistent centenarians. And one of the key, one of the key things that started to come up, it wasn't necessarily the diet because everybody was like, oh, they live longer because this is how they eat. It, it wasn't just what they ate. It's how they ate. And the fact that they woke up every morning with a purpose, they knew what they needed to do, um, to make what their, their world better. See a need, fill a need from that. I could throw so many quotes out there, but yeah. I, I think inspiration inspiration is another key component, inspiration versus motivation. For sure. Now, if people did want some more of Houston's wisdom and, quote, and quotes, uh, where would be the best places to reach you? Uh, easiest there's going to be uh, Instagram, right? Only human, uh, letter O, letter N, number one letter Y, and then human is spelled a little different, right? H-U-G-H-M-A-N. Um, so only human. That's, <laughs> that's right. Uh, so only human on Instagram. Uh, you can reach out to me via email. That's acuprperformance at gmail.com. Uh, again, acuprperformance at gmail.com. Um, and for those who are wanting to like just chat it up, right? Shoot, shoot a text to uh, my work number. Cause it's an easy one for me to respond to as well. Uh, 864-869-878-8782. There's a lot of eights in there. Uh, 864-869-8782. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I encourage you to do Instagram first. Cause that's the one typically I can respond to the fastest. Uh, I know it sounds weird, but it is. And then second to that would be email. Third to that would be the, uh, the number. Sounds good, my man. Sounds good. And uh, yeah. as always, foi, foi meu prazer. But just to keep it, uh, obrigado. Igual, igual. And thank you. And, uh, anyway, beautiful people, I want to, again, thank Houston for his time and insight. Now get out there and make shit happen. Thanks for listening to this episode of To Health and Back. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And in the meantime, to connect with Dr. Jordan Seda, you can contact him through all social media networks at dr.jordanseda and online at theabstractphysio.com. Until next time, and remember, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. <laughs>